Están escuchando la guía de caballeros para el Festival Internacional de Cine de Toronto con su presentador, Gran Guillermo, y unos invitados muy especiales, trayendo la clase a la basura desde 1977. To the Midnight Ride at TIFF and the Arclight International. Hey everyone, what's up? This is a very special episode of uh, the Midnight Ride, GGTMC. Uh, we are joined by three very special guests, three fellow gentlemen. One of which I had the distinct pleasure of uh, seeing tonight's film with at Midnight Madness. It was the closing film for the festival. And of course, I'm talking about the guest... And uh, I'm talking about our good friend Vishnu. Vishnu, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to everyone. And uh, across the border from us on the West Coast, three hours behind us, uh, we have two fellow gents, uh, one who's been around for quite some time as far as his appearances and one who's making his first appearance on the show. We have Kelly, the mighty Kelly, and uh, our good friend Wes. Gentlemen, welcome back or welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. So uh, this was a bit sort of uh, serendipitous that it worked out this way. Um, I'd intended to record something. I was kind of spitballing recording with some people for this one because it's the kind of film that, um, as you'll probably hear us talk about here, is is fun to talk about. It's the kind of film you, you can't wait to kind of talk about with your friends. Um, it's a bit of a crowd pleaser. So, um, yeah, it just worked out that uh, we were all able to get together and record something. And, and here we are. Um, so I will uh, synopsize this film for people that uh, don't know, and then we'll we'll go around the uh, around the house here and uh, and see what's going on. Uh, so uh, the guest, of course, from this year, uh, Adam Wingard, written by his uh, longtime collaborator Simon Barrett. A soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their home, a series of accidental deaths seems to be connected to his presence. So, uh, does anyone want to go first as far as uh, breaking this thing down? Do you want me to go first? What's going to work for you guys? Uh, let, let, it, let you guys do go. It. You want me to roll with it? Go for it. 
All right. And uh, of course, we'll interject here then. Feel free to interject as we go. Um, so yeah, this was uh, the, the film that closed Midnight Madness. And uh, I'd wanted to see it, you know, when I was looking at the catalog, speaking, you know, it was a little bit of a different experience from our, our fellow gents across the border. Um, my wife came to accompany me to three or four, or I accompanied her, I guess, however you want to look at it, to a few different screenings this year. And this was one that we both wanted to see. So I was I was secretly very happy when she'd said, I really want to see the guest. I was like, all right, we're nice. in. Yeah, it was good. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it worked out very well. And knowing that it was the closing film for Midnight Madness, typically the films that open and close, you know, Yvish, you, you know, you're more of a veteran of the Midnight Madness than I am. Yeah, they tend to be ones that are going to open the festival proper and close it proper. Um, I mean, as I was saying, this year was a bit of a smaller festival for myself. I, I did, uh, I think, 13 films versus last year, which was like 47. But um, And the, as we were saying also off, off air, that um, this is essentially going into wide release right now. Um, and normally I would skip a movie going into wide release because I you know, have limited tickets. But something about the end... Uh, the closing night. It's it's not it's it's like a gala for the rest of us. There's no fancy gowns, there's no things, but there's a crowd, there's an atmosphere in the movie, and it's for that kind of show. It's like seeing it with like all of your favorite genre friends, you know, and everyone cheers and yells at the right points. As we'll yeah. get to. Yeah, I know it totally is, and there's there's a buzz, and I'm with you. You know, people approach. You know, not to digress too much, but people approach the way they program their their film festival experience differently. Some people want to stargaze. People like us, you know, want to see some kind of wild films from around the world that maybe we won't get to see otherwise. And yeah, I had known this film was going to get a bit of a wider release too, and that's why I, I decided not to go see um, the Canon documentary, which is ironic because this is, of course, you know, influenced by Canon films. But um, there's just some things that I knew would get a pretty decent release or we'd have access to. Even the uh, Takashi Miike film. Over your dead body. Did you see that at Tiffish? I did. Yep. And it's uh, very Mickey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're about uh, sending this down the spiral. It's very Mickey, and I do recommend people see it if I'm if uh, you're into his stuff. Yeah, man. Very Mickey is all you need to get somebody to see it. Yeah, Wes, have you seen uh, much Mickey? Uh, you know, not really. Honestly, I'm I'm inexperienced in that department. Uh, a long time ago, I think I watched. Um, and a real long time ago, I guess I watched uh, Ichi the Killer, yeah, and yeah. Um, I didn't know what to make of it back then. So it could definitely do with a rewatch. You know, lots changed. I've seen many, many, many more films, and um, it could definitely do with a a reevaluation. Yeah, with my, yeah. you know, with it's, my present state. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting film. It is a, it, that film broke pretty big over here, um, and it was kind of a gateway Mike film for a lot of people. That was a that was a big one. Um, they had that at TIFF too many many years ago, and I I couldn't make the screening, but my friends did. And that one they actually get they had um Itchy the Killer vomit bags at the screening. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah, he's uh, he is you know absolutely a favorite here uh, in our circles. Um, He's done some stuff that's a little bit more accessible. Some of his longtime supporters, um, they are not overly thrilled with his, his path. But I think he's, he's sort of redeemed himself in their eyes. Um, or he's shown that he still has teeth with some of his last few films, which I'm actually going to bring up one of his films later on. Um, has anyone else here seen Lessons of the Evil? I'm dying to, but I haven't. Okay, cool. It's a shame because... Vish? I haven't. I was actually going to mention Visitor Q in relation to this in a way. Oh, nice. But, okay, um, well, cool. We'll get to that then. Cause little lactation. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but this, the ending, you know, I'll get to that. Um, and you know what, we're digressing. Um, but yeah, Midnight Madness closing films always do have an electricity, and um, <laughs> it was pretty exciting to go to that. You know, there's beach balls flying around and cheering and clapping. And um, Wingard's got a pretty good track record for me not to uh, jump again off this film, but um, I had the pleasure of seeing your next at TIFF, as did you a few years ago, Vish. Mm-hmm. And it was one that we had to wait and wait and wait to talk about with people because it, it got sat on for so long. So it's nice that this is going to be able to be talked about sort of widely with people in our community um, in the next few weeks. Definitely. I was just actually wondering what you guys, if not to get too deep in, but just sort of first approximations when you left, because my thing was it was a mix of I'm so happy it's got a wide release, and also I've got a m- quick mental list of about six, seven, eight people of my friends who aren't necessarily genre fans per se, but these are the ones I'm going to drag. I'm like, look, fine, I'll buy the ticket. Just come. I know you will have a blast. Yeah. Come, 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 come. We'll go Saturday night. We'll, we'll you know, I'll get some beers in you, and we'll go. You'll have a blast with this. And I was just like, and it's that, that happiness of like, it's not wait a month and maybe we can find it on a bootleg or maybe we can get it on streaming. It's no, no, we, you, I can take you to the cinema and you can see this. I guarantee it, it doesn't matter. You know, we don't have to, uh, which I know it always makes me happy. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I am, it's funny, you know, I have been really excited to see this film again. I'm, I'm kind of, um, I don't talk about it too much on the air, but I'm really, um, obsessive compulsive or anal about trying to watch as many first time watches in the air as I can. I don't tend to rewatch too much anymore. You know, I'm always trying to find new things I haven't seen or old films I haven't seen, you know, mm-hmm. let's go check out a Harold Lloyd film. Let me see this, you know, French new wave or this, uh, Italian splatter film that I haven't seen. And so, but this is what I'm really excited to revisit because, um, it, it does play very well with the crowd and I'm, I'm going to go see it with my wife again. And just like you said, Vish, being able to see it with uh, some friends again is uh, is going to be very cool. Now, you guys on the West Coast, um, is this? Do you know if this is getting? A, I would imagine it's getting a wide release there. If it's getting one here, yeah, I, I looked online. You know, it's. I think it's. I don't. I don't know if it's the whole country, but October third is when it goes wide oh, out fantastic. here. So, definitely going to see it again too. I was. On, I'm still on a high from it. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, but. Uh, Wingard has a really good track record. I've liked everything he's done. Uh, mileage varies, I guess, for some, but I feel like um, uh, between your next and this, he's become he's he's really straddling, uh, I think, a fine line between being accessible and to, I guess to talk about Mike too, being accessible but still making really really good films and really interesting films, mm-hmm. which isn't always an easy thing to do. Yep, definitely not. But he uh, he has that thing where, you know, he can make just a, a solid, it's a solid thriller, you know, really creative stuff in it. But then for the genre fans and, and stuff like that, you know, he does all the, he has tons of homages and little nods to this and that that are really going to get us going too. So, yeah, it really works on a perfect little level like that. Yeah, and it's not heavy-handed, which I think no, a lot of us can appreciate it. You know, we all, we listen, we all love enthusiasm, but... It's apparent with some filmmakers, they, they wear it on their sleeves to a fault. Yeah. Where it's, 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 uh, that phrase homage, it's an, as I said, it's an homage, but it's not slavishly copying. Yes. He's, he's bringing something fresh and new to his things, which is, because I mean, even the soundtrack, if I sort of just get a bit more detail, this, the soundtrack is very, very much an 80s thing. And that was actually one of the things mm-hmm. going forward I was looking forward to. But it's not in the sort of 
this is the mixtape of my 80s memories. It, this, it was... It brings a tone to it, so the film does have an 80s feel. You feel like it's a, a Canon or an Orion film or something that yeah. I would have watched on tape. Mm-hmm. But without, without yeah. Be, yeah, exactly, yeah, but without being um, a pastiche of just 80s images, and, and it's, it, is, it doesn't feel like a parody. Or, 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 or on the nose. Yeah, on the nose, exactly. It's, well, at least with, that's how I felt. Oh, sorry? With, with the music, and not even just the music, but just the, uh, the overall like, sound design, like, Mm-hmm. He creates such a mood. There's that one sound that repeats over and over. Whenever something big happens, you hear that boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's really cool, and it really creates like this sense of, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. That's, um, uh, Steve Moore did all this. Did, so Steve Moore did the soundtrack, and he's, I mean, he was part one of the reasons when I read his name attached to it, because he's a... Uh, he's in a synth band called Zombie, uh, like, spelt Z-O-M-B. I like liked the movie. Um He's sort of famous for like his things a bit, like his the zombie albums. If you listen to some of the first ones, they sound like soundtracks to a Fulci film you've not seen yet. <laughs> um, and he, again, he's got the same thing that capturing that something from the past about being an imitation of something from the past. If that yeah. makes sense. Oh, it totally does. Yeah, no, it uh, it totally does. See, it's it's funny because. Um, What's the, uh, what's the, uh, you know, in this day and age, you know, 80s and 90s have really come back strong from an aesthetic mm. standpoint, what have you. And it it's it's tough because this film, I mean, listen, it's obvious very much very Carpenter, which which isn't a bad thing. But I mean, that's kind of the template for synth. But you get so many labels like um, like Russell Corso, which is a, a label I like that puts a lot of synthy stuff. And it but it just would have been so easy for them to fall into that uh, obvious thing. And I'll tell you what threw me for a loop was this. You can you can relate being <laughs> growing up in Toronto. They have the king of the Genos. They have a Stevie B song in this. <laughs> yes, which just, I fell out of my chair, man, hearing B, the Postman song in this. Just, yeah. <laughs> I, it just really, that's the thing, man. He has like Sisters of Mercy, Love and Rockets, Stevie B. It's, uh, it's really impressive. Um, he's just got that ear, I think, and that knack, you know, like we've seen with Scorsese and, of course, Tarantino and other filmmakers of being able to combine. Um, pieces that are original with stuff that um, what isn't certainly AM radio, but it's uh, you know by by artists. He's bringing music back, and and it's funny how the music now. And I hear a certain song, like when I hear you know the Postman song or other songs from this film now that weren't composed for this film. I will still think about this film. It's uh, definitely it's going to be an odd comparison, maybe, but. In a way, this and um, Guardians of the Galaxy are very yeah. similar. There's some of them with that that mixtape kind yes. of vibe. Without being, they're not the big obvious hits. They're not the like the KTL '80s jams. There's some <laughs> nicer deep cuts and also some really solid original music in there as well, which add to the sort of that as you uh, I think it was you Kelly said just the atmosphere of the, of the film really helps tie it with all the pieces together. Well, it's it's one of those things where you know it's it's another reason why this movie. Is is going to be fun to take other people to, and you want to drag people to the theater because it's it's one of those soundtracks where I know I was, I'm I'm pretty sure Wes was, we just nodding our heads watching mm-hmm. the movie. Like the movie's just another level of the the music is just another level of fun. Like this movie is cool and fun, and you have a good time watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it totally just it carries you through the film and just keeps you engaged and just having an awesome time with it. So yeah, totally. 
And it's not it's it's organic. It feels organic. It doesn't feel obtrusive or, or intrusive um, in what you know. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, and it doesn't distract. It enhances, which uh, which is good. Again, it, it Wingard knows knows how to grab your attention without. Um, and I think this filmmaker I like, but I think he's a little bit showy for his own good and and know it all for his own good at times. Um, uh, Edgar Wright, like I feel Edgar like right. <laughs> he he doesn't kind of stand up and go, "Look at me, look what I know." I don't feel like Wingard does that. I feel like he's a little bit more modest uh, in his approach, but it still so gets your attention. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the film, uh, the, the opening, like the, the title credits, like the uh, the font, everything. Oh just, my god, the opening, the, just the sorry, I got excited. No, the, dude, <laughs> it's so it's for people like us, man. It's it's Boner Town. Like, yeah, the Zubas anybody, are getting tight. Did anybody? Uh, I immediately thought of The Exorcist. Did that pop into anybody's head? No. Like, yeah, I, the font. I wrote that down. That was <laughs> Exorcist font question mark. Nice. I, think it, I was thinking it's just more of those, like the carpenter um, yeah. credits when they come like up. The fog, you yeah. know, that like early '80s Starman. I mean, not Starman's credit so much, but but that that era. Mm-hmm. But I got to look for that, and I got to compare actually, because uh, yeah, watch talking. when the title card pops up on The Exorcist. It's that font. It's you know that bright color, and then that loud just boom, boom, that, that noise. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the first thing that popped into my head. It honestly looked like they kind of went for a, a hybrid of, of like carpenter font and exorcist font, kind of mixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, <laughs> have to, I'll have to look at that. And some people like uh, Loaf and some other people who are really fonty, if that's even a word. <laughs> that, you know, they have a trained eye for fonts. I'll, uh, I'd be curious to see what o- they think. Opening credits, like to me, like it really, like I have a that's real obsession with, with opening credit fonts and stuff. Like if it's got a cool font, it just brings me right in like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Because I think we're all suckers for minutia and aesthetic, and oh yeah, to see that yeah when it just goes it's it's that bold kind of like it just it's a like a like a hard edit I guess for lack of a better description just right to black and then the the the, uh, the title card comes up it just yeah. something about that the the confidence that 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 kind of style that shows is uh, is very cool mm-hmm. very cool um, I want to talk about the cast for a minute because we're you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about Wingard and, and Barris writing and. And whatnot, but uh, and Dan Stevens is going to get a lot of the publicity um, because he is the star. Um, and I have to say, he it really feels to me like he's channeling like a Gosling in this. Film. Totally, he's he's channeling a Gosling, but with a sense of humor. Like yes. I love me some Baby Goose, I really yes. do. <laughs> but um, the man can be a bit stone faced. Sure, sure. Whereas, I mean, this is, comes back to the writing and the thing, too. The film is funny. It is The funny. film is funny, but a lot of the humor is, is not necessarily written in the sense of dialogue. It's just like, he'll be a raised eyebrow, a wink, a look. It's in his face. It's a lot of face acting, which, is, yeah. which well, sounds really yeah, tough. Yeah. I was going to say, there's there's a couple smiles he does where yeah. it's like very, it's almost like he wants to look at the camera. He but breaks he the fourth wall, doesn't he, a couple yeah. times? He, he, he doesn't quite. He's sort of like yeah, he, three quarters of the way there. but you he, know, almost, like, he almost does, and then he doesn't. Yeah, and that's that line. There's that fine, fine line. That's really tricky to do. Um, but he's, I thought he was really, he was solid in it. And I mean, uh, to come back to him in terms of, as you said earlier, yeah, he's going to get the, the big press. That's why the movie, I think, got the big release in the UK because of the Downton Abbey connection. And mm-hmm. as I said, though, fair, I mean, I'm a 
big Downton Abbey nerd. I've seen all of them. I've got the Christmas specials. I may have rewatched, like I said, the first season before going to see the guest um, <laughs> because I'm stupid and I knew and I sort of was trying not to read too many things. I didn't want to get any spoilers. I knew, oh, someone from Downton is in the guest and there's the posters everywhere and um, it was a good, I don't know, 55 minutes into the film. I'm like, oh, bollocks, it's that guy, isn't it? Because oh, wow. he's, he's, he's go, you know, he's, yeah, he's got a different accent in the movie, and he's playing an American when he's so playing not the character I'm used to him seeing out, seeing him as. Yeah. But he just sort of beca- he takes that role and does so well with it that um, he does embody it. Like, yeah, he. But thank you, he embodies it. That's exactly what's. Yeah, he really does though, and and I've never seen him before. I've not seen Downton Abbey. I, I was the meathead that for the, probably the first few years it was out. It's called it Downtown Abbey. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the way it went. But he really embodies this role quite well. And yeah, he does bring a humor to it. And it's, see, um, Wingard had said uh, that, that, you know, Halloween and Terminator 2 and and sort of films, like we'd said, the broad scope of kind of some of the, uh, uh, the um, not labels, the uh, studios that, that we'd mentioned, sort of the tone and spirit of those films. But, he, uh, he, man, he really, really embodies this, and it's funny because the way Winger sets the table is you're, you're just you, you have a hunch, you know, well, you almost certainly know yeah. something is going to happen, something bad, and you just there's a lot of charisma with Steven's character. You can't yeah. help but gravitate towards him in spite of some of the um, the stings and and what have you with the music that uh, you know really. Are for um, foretelling some things. There's a there's a charm to his acting that comes through. Just sort of like the character was in like he he does some incredibly violent, awesome things, yeah. but there's still this amazing charm afterwards. And it's like it's not. It could have very easily been like someone playing and doing the, the, the th- trying to throw out the cheesy. You know, I, I when I said I kid you last, I lied. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't right. come off as as a, as a you know is doing a, a cheesy one. It just this guy, this 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 guy who 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 can you know mash up a whole bar is yeah. also incredibly charming and smooth and like you can like I get why girls sleep with him. I get why guys are like, yeah, this dude is cool. I want to go hang out with him and sell him guns or do this and that. And it makes sense. Just not in a rock quarry. Maybe not in a rock quarry. But you know, everyone should know avoid rock quarries. By now. you should, man. By now, you've seen enough Turkish and Italian films. And the post-apocalypse happens at the rock quarries. I, I can tell you right now that, that Dan Stevens has. A, a grip on the female uh, persuasion because uh, oh. I, I got I got a free poster from the movie screening and I when my girlfriend came over she said who is that? Nice. Well, that's one of my notes. That set of abs. Um, <laughs> they are abs. When when I mean Will you said earlier about the the crowd you know we I mean this this is a, we saw it with the crowd you know it, you yell at the the shots and the kills and stuff. It's also there's a there's a scene there's an ab scene which I'm not going to go into too much but. Um, uh, Will, your your wife was there. She 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 was there. Was, she was very appreciative, and yeah. there was a very loud roar in our set. I mean, the cinema we saw in holes, I think thirteen hundred people, wow. and I'm pretty sure at least twelve hundred of them cheered and clapped for the for that ad. Yeah. And it's crazy because my wife doesn't like slim guys, and and that's the thing that's impressive about Stevens is the physicality he brings to the role. So he's he has to he has to keep a lot of plates in the air. He has to be boyish kind of boy next door he has to be soldier um machine in a way he has to be you know charming he has to be a lot of things and wear a lot of different hats and i think he really does pull them off because we've all seen young actors try to do tough and it comes off as 
you know, Juilliard student trying to butch himself up. And it's yeah. just not very convincing. But Stevens does a really good job of that. And and he's a slim guy. Like, he's not, you know, like I said, he's he's not, uh, I wouldn't, on the street, I wouldn't say that guy has got to be a lumberjack. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I think that comes back to the, um, to go back to Wingard for a second there, yeah. for the direction, because there's, there's, um, there's some there's some really nice action set pieces, little little moments as well as big ones, and he never becomes. It always, I mean, as, as silly and sort of as fun and daft as this all is, it always felt grounded. Like he's never like, you know, punching seventeen dudes out of the sky and <laughs> jumping up walls or anything. It's like when he takes out some guys, it's like, no, this is someone who's been trained and knows yeah. what he's doing and knows how to you know snap a, li- a leg or arm or what have you. But without looking like he's built like a brick shit house, so yeah. um, so again, I had the sort of that sense of grounding, and um, which and came from the direction, obviously, because the, the action I thought was filmed incredibly well. Well, in regards to the action too, like or the direction, like even on back to the, I'm stuck on the abs here. <laughs> even even back to that little scene, I like the stinger on that scene for me is 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 the steam. Yes, which is so yeah, very eighties. It's almost like they turn. I think feel like with a lot of things, I feel like Wingard and Barrett really turn a lot of uh, genre conventions on their ear. We don't have a steamy woman; it's 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 a steamy man. We don't have like he'd said, and he had intentionally done so. We don't have the shape, Michael Myers. We have the body or like the the hunk. It's this kind of sociopathic. So he's turning a lot of things on its ear successfully. With this and by, by you know, with with Stevens, so. Um, but the cast, you see, we can't help but talk about Stevens. Sorry. The rest of the cast, and this is a testament to the writing, the directing, but also they got to pick the ball up and run with it. The rest of the cast, I found, especially the family, which is who we spend a lot of the time with, they're really, really likable. Like I didn't dislike any of the the uh, principals in the film it would have been so easy to make um especially like the parents that oh, who yeah. are i mean it's it's not quite a charlie brown since they're real parents and they're real people so like <laughs> um they're the dad who's easily could have been a caricature and he, you know he's, he's he's on the line but he's in the yeah. sense that he's still so like when things happen to people it's it counts and it makes you know, it's not just like, oh, that was an awesome feeling. It's like, oh, no, don't hurt them. You know, and yeah. um, uh, he, I really he kind of stole the sh- he kind of stole the show for me a few times. Yeah. <laughs> he's good. He's because he's got a, a warmth of humanity, a kind yeah. of a lovable sad sack in a way. Yeah, and the escalation of his character too, as it goes through, things start building. You're like, I mean, some of the jokes are obvious, but they work so well too. Um, I did want to. Uh, talk quickly about um, the main woman. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher her name. Maker Monroe. That sounds good. She's. Yeah. I'm assuming because it was just uh, that week I saw her twice because she was in two uh, Midnight Madness movies. She was in this and she was in um, one earlier called um, It Follows. Oh, nice. She's the lead in that one, which is just to diverge quickly. It's about um, a girl who gets a. Hon- it's a haunting where the haunting is a sexually transmitted disease. Oh. Um, yeah, you get you get instead of getting a clap, you get a ghost. Um, uh, <laughs> it's it's um it's odd, but it's she again very very different type of character for her. And I like again I liked you've got the hero. So when things get you know things throw down for her again, she doesn't suddenly become a kung fu master or a special ops. She's still a girl from a little podunk town in the middle of uh, what was it Texas or no you know. Um, but she's never helpless. She's never. She said she she managed to be sort of this heroic 
figure without suddenly turning into you know Ram- uh, girl Rambo. Yes, if that makes sense. It Which totally I- does because I think I have a problem with that sometimes when they set the character up to be a lamb and then they turn them into a lion at the drop of a hat. It it yeah. it grates even in genre. You know that's one of the big things that took me out of Twenty Eight Days Later was the Killian Murphy character at the end yeah. was such a, just such a pushover and he he really became Rambo like at the drop of a hat and it was just, it turned me off it really turned me off I understand everyone has a, a a point to which once you push them over I mean you know they they snap but just it wasn't believable but yeah I felt like she did enough that was realistic considering I mean, listen, this, this isn't to seek a near realism, but she yeah. did. She was re- very, you know, reasonable in, in the, the the physical things she was doing towards the back end of the film. Yeah, it wasn't suddenly like, no, don't worry, I totally know how to handle this machine gun and carry yeah. two and jump down. No, it was. You know, I'm I'm scared and I'm nervous, but I'm going to do things to protect those I love, and yeah. you know, well, you, you usually have. That's what was really cool about her was uh, at a certain point in the film, she she makes a uh, a certain confession to some people. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go how she thinks. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, she's intimidated by, by, uh, by someone mm-hmm. and that she doesn't let that stop her, you know? No. She, so it, it's pretty cool. She's very strong, and, you know, knows what she wants to do. Yeah. You know, you know, she looked like I said it to one of you, maybe a couple of you, Wes, I don't, I don't know if you would have thought this, but she looked to me like kind of like, um, like Gwen Stefani. Yeah, totally. With her hair and yeah, yeah. style and everything. Yeah, I, I thought she was surprisingly gorgeous. Totally She's cute. It's just very vulnerable, but not overtly so. You know, it's just fine balance. Again, just balance, balance. The note I have in my notes here is, is Micah Monroe equals hot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, she's cute. She's uh, again sweet, likable, and you know I would be uh, shame on me if I don't mention the Canuck in the cast, the younger brother uh, Brendan Mayer or Meyer, who we we got to meet as well at the screening. He was there, um, and uh, again, younger brother is tough to pull off in horror films. There's some dreadful ones. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he could have been easily a, a incredibly thankless role for, the, especially for the back half. Um, yeah, and I was a bit nervous. I think that was my only little bit of trepidation near the end. I'm like, I hope they don't, you know, sort of ruin this character, and they didn't. It was, you know, without saying what happens, it's it's uh, it's well played. Um, yeah. And uh, did they say was this his first movie? Was he been around? I, I missed that. Um, I'll tell you. No, he's he's a bit of a vet now. He's done. Well, he's got 29 credits to his name. Jesus. Oh, man, he was in Spooky Buddies. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, listen, here's a good Canadian uh, credit. He was in Waking Up Wally, the Walter Gretzky story. <laughs> That's his oh, first credit. Nice. Something out of those two titles makes me think that uh, Coop is probably very familiar with him. Coop probably is very familiar with him. <laughs> he was in uh, uh, Tooth Fairy as well with uh, The Rock. I. Yeah, so he's he's been around a little bit. I think he's about eight, I had to guess about eighteen years old or so. Terrible at this game, yeah. I know like uh, yeah. Mike Monroe's twenty one, and I think these are like her first two real movies. Um, and actually, uh, Lance Reddick, who yeah, I don't really know. I know him as a that guy from Law and Order because I'm one of the few people on Earth who still hasn't seen The Wire. Me but it was just, um, when he came out and everyone sort of cheered, I'm like, I should know who he is. But that dude is so badass. Yeah. Um, 
and again, he's it's a very it's a fairly small role, and he's really only in near the end. But uh, I and again could have been really thankless, or really just wouldn't. But he felt like there was a full. He had a whole background we didn't know about. There could be a whole other movie about his thing and where he came from and what, and you know, which I like that the depth of to it, and as well as just being kind of badass. Yeah, he was. It, it's funny because he he mentioned at the uh, screening that when they filmed it, you know, he he filmed his scenes not kind of knowing uh, how the film was gonna end up. Oh, and uh, after he saw it the first time, he he told. Uh, Adam Wingard, he said, I, I, I don't like it. It's not what I... He thought it was going to be more of a serious thriller. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, but then he said he saw it again a second time, and he went up to Wingard and asked him, he's like, well, what did you cut? What did you change? He's like, nothing. He's like, well, I love it now. So yeah. oh, cool. it, it was, it's weird. It's one of those, like, he had to watch it twice to really understand what was going on in the, in the movie. I guess it's... Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think it's maybe his year. He's in The Wick with uh, Ken Reeves as well. John Wick, yeah, that's right. But now I think also probably expectations, right? He was expecting one thing, just like sometimes yeah. when we see a film and we have a notion of what it's going to be, and it doesn't quite uh, pan out that way. For well, he, you know, he basically just showed up. He said and filmed just shooting guns at a house. So nice. He kind of thought it was just going to be that kind of like you know political thriller. You know, find oh. the bad guy. Man, do they shoot guns at a house? That 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 they do. Is, that is like worthy of a you know like Invasion USA or something. Like yeah, that. The, you're right, man. There's a lot of artillery in this. Wes, have you seen Invasion USA yet? Oh, that's on. You gotta see it, dude. It's so good, dude. Yeah, it's um, but so good. They, I mean, wear, wear your denim vest, sleeveless denim vest. When you watch it. <laughs> if you have sleeves at the beginning, they actually fall off. Yeah, they do. That film. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. seams come apart as you watch. Yeah. I can't handle it. No, um, which I mean, because yeah, I know Wingard. You said from the sort of he came up from the horror, like a uh, horrible way to die is very much like a, I know a lot of people didn't dig it because it's it's very much an indie horror and got the sort of close camera work and his sort of his cameras going further back the, the more films he, he does. Um, <laughs> But I was so happy with the action in this. Oh like, yeah, it's, it's, really, really competently done. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, there's still very much a horror tone to it in the, um, especially near the end when it's, it's a bit more of a, a, a fewer people kind of scenario. But when the action kicks off and there's this, the big action set pieces, that's when I, to me, you said you mentioned sort of Orion and Cannon earlier. Um, yep. I mean, my, I think one of my first notes out of the film was it's sort of, it's very monkeys pulled by way of the Terminator, but. Yeah, <laughs> but less than the Terminator because this is a Terminator. But it reminded me of. Do you remember um, Eve of Destruction? Of Gregory course, Hines? Gregory yeah. Hines, man. Gregory yeah. Hines was actually married to a girl from Oakville, Vish. Oh, really? Yeah, a oh. Ukrainian girl. He's buried here in Oakville. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually got a good blue release too from Screen. Yeah, Facts. man, that's a good one. I got that on VHS. Uh, <laughs> and um, it, it just and not in necessarily you know it, there's no um killer lady robot in this one um. But just something again in that tone and the sort of the way the action's done and and, and shot, even just sort of some of the, just the way the cameras held stuff, it had that feel to it. It's there, oh, go no, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that there's in that shootout scene, there's an awesome, you know, a reload scene <laughs> where it, it sounds like they really like when they start reloading, it sounded like they just upped that sound. Like we're gonna make this reload loud because we know people like the sound of guns reloading. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, and it's the whole film feels like uh, what is it, like the Panaglide, like Dean Gundy's work for Carpenter in the eighties too. Yeah, you know, some longer takes, not a ton of quick cuts. Um, 
Yeah, it, it uh, it's really the, the action stuff. And what would you, let me ask you, Wes? What would you call this film? Like, does it? I mean, it, for me, it kind of defies genre. It. What would you call it? Oh man, I don't know. It was the. It's like the perfect conglomeration of just everything I like. Thriller, uh, action, horror. It's. I would I would call it maybe a a, a oh boy, a slasher with a sense of humor maybe. Maybe you know? yeah, it's it's hard to define. Uh, but yeah, I think that was one of the things when I'm I came back and I was sort of trying to tell and get people to come. I go, is it a horror? Because I'm people like, oh, it's a, it's a horror film, it's an action movie. I'm like, I think I'm settling on like it's a, it's a, like a creepy action thriller. Yeah, if I go with that, <laughs> if I can just mush as many words as I can into one description. Yeah, because um, I mean, at its core, it's essentially a thriller. Because again, yep. uh, we sort of mentioned the action and the humor, but um, I think another one of my notes here was just the tension, yeah. which I think helped balance off with the humor. Because you got to come back to Stevens and his abs again. But um, when he does that sort of that that smile, it's like it's funny and he's kind of winking at us, but it's also kind of like you're gonna stab me, aren't you? You're waiting for another shoe to drop. Yeah, he's well, like. It's gonna come. I don't know. I, you know it's coming. It's like in the poster. It says, "Yeah, it's like when is it gonna happen?" I'm. You can well, know this intense. It's like when he's sitting. He, there's that scene where where the camera's panning. It's outside, and it's looking in in the room of the daughter, and then it pans over oh, yeah. to his room, and you just see him sitting there, and he's got that look, mm-hmm. and it just zooms in onto his face, and it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> and yeah, and that's the thing because it, you're not rooting like. You want it to happen to see what happens, but you don't. You're not rooting against the family either. No. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling like you get in this movie until something happens. Yeah, that's what his he's so manipulative, and it's you know I mean it's scary totally when it's all going on and he's doing his you know yes ma'am totally just polite country boy thing, but. Um, you're just along for the ride, and you're just like, cool, yeah, whatever, man, come on in. Yeah, Love it. yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Um, Which, that, that brings me, like, I got, I really have, like, I was trying to think, rack my brain of, of, of like, something to go against the film, mm-hmm. and the only real complaint I have, and it's, I guess it just needed to happen, is, is the family itself, like, like how Wes just said, like, hey, come on in, like, they kind of let them in too easy, like. You know what I would say, though? I'll let they, you finish, they, and then I'll. Well, the the main thing that really caught me off guard was the, the mom sends him to pick up the kid like a day after she meets him. <laughs> was kind of strange. Like, oh yeah, go pick up my son who you've never like really talked to. It's, yeah, it, that was kind of weird. But other than that, I mean, th- that's kind of a picky just... thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no I, was, I was gonna say. I think the. I think certainly there are some things that that fall into you know things we would see in films that, that this is homaging where you, you kind of have to get from A to B in an economical fashion without, without worrying about that. But I also have to think that they would accept him into their home because at this point, you know, they're all still very much, um, the mom was desperate. Like, well, she was very desperate. And at this, this point, he was her son come back from the dead. That's right. That's, that's and, the and yeah, they're clinging to scraps at this point, yeah. right? They want He's, anything to give them a, a taste of their son, like something. She had the tiny bit of proof. Okay, he was in the. I mean, because he wasn't. To be fair, he. You know, uh, is this a spoiler? Like he's the picture, right? It's, yeah, yeah, of course. It's. Yeah. It's not like completely out of the blue. So it's like it's enough. I think they're they're broken. They are plausible. There's enough. They want to yeah. believe, right? They're what they want to believe, and it's it's like they're so broken. They're so it's it's like the. 
it's not like PTSD from the the troop that's come home. It's the PTSD that affects the family. That, yes. that you know, we've lost our son in a war. You know, it's a sort of a horrible thing. And so you're willing you're willing to like take a scrap. So they've given more than I would think. Okay, this is this you know, there's proof that essentially. And like, I mean, initially, you know, the dad is reticent. Yeah. And, this, and that's what I say. I'm glad they did bring up the picture at least. You know, because mm-hmm. the, yeah, there is the scene where the dad's against it, and but at least there is some kind of proof that that shows like, hey, this it's, he's not lying. So that's right. I, I liked also the way that they don't go into too much. There's all this sort of implications of what is happening, and even about the the dead brother, and. They don't need to tell. It's it's enough to sort of just give you the enough to like. There's the stuff here, you know. There's 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 tons of backstory there. But they don't. They could have easily wasted ten, fifteen minutes explaining uh. all. And they didn't. And I love that. They just like they like they assume that the audience is smart enough to put it together and like let's get on to you know blowing shit up, please. Okay. Thank you. And not just that, but I think Wingard's smart enough as a filmmaker to not for lack of a better word, bore us with needless exposition. I'm not sure that I, at this point, even really understand and can connect all the dots. But I don't think that's important to. Yeah, I have a pet theory that Oh, you know, we guy can probably get, get, get it. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do a thread on the Facebook group, and then yeah. we'll, we'll a spoiler thread. But I mean, and it's really a pet theory based on little sort of breadcrumbs you threw down. But it doesn't matter ultimately. Exactly. It doesn't it, derive from the you know, enjoyment of the film. All it did was add to the enjoyment because there was a little bit more depth to everything. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, he kept it going. You, know, you start thinking about it, too, but then suddenly, oh look, there's AJ Bowen being cool, yes. and they, oh, and they've got a big fucking gun there, and suddenly, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, you're you're right on. Um, let me ask you guys because I haven't heard anyone mention this. When they, you know, people are obviously very keen to point out the the era that um, Wingard and Baird are riffing on. But do you guys think that there's some there's some subtext here? Or there's some commentary on. Well, you you mentioned the word a moment ago, Vish, post traumatic stress, um, and just do you think there's commentary on that, or should, is that reading too much into it? I don't think it's commentary in the sense of I am going to make a movie a big comment. I think he just, just I mean, just from like what I've read on him, because I've been following him from from a pop skull on, like he, he, I think he writes what he knows and what he sees around him, and you know, you sort of you pull from the contemporary era. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the same way that like even with like your next was it's. It's a you know it's a siege movie it's a, it's a it's a yeah. slash film it's also dealing with people who are coming back from war and dealing with families that are broken up and this is you know about sort of the family home and that but I mean that's also something that you like I said uh, this could have been like um oh what's a um Bob Clark one Death Dream you absolutely know. man absolutely uh it just this is Wingard's take on it now and. I don't know if it's a sort of a comment in the sense of, you know, this is his grand statement on the state of, of, of post. No, uh, but is he slipping some of it in sort yeah, of subversively? In, not not to say that was his, his whole endgame, but I have to I, I think he slipped it in subversively even to himself. Like, I think he just, it's there, but I don't even think he knew it was there until it was. Like, he's he kind of just... He kind of just wrote it. It's like Vish said. Like he he wrote what he knew. Yes, and, and that happened just, to be it. And he, it just kind of happened to work out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, for sure. Um, I'll tell you uh, what's his name there. Uh, the Wire. Um, Lance uh, Reddick. He reminded me of, of course, with the the trench coat, Nick Fury. I got to be honest, but more than that, Loomis. Yeah, he actually mentioned that during our Q and A. But go ahead. 
Yeah, no, no. I was just gonna say he's totally like a Loomis, uh, a Loomis character. Which you know we knew going in what what he had said his, his influences were. Um, so I mean, it wasn't that big of a reveal for me, or it wasn't like I'm a genius. I, I mean, mean, it was, uh, I mean, Wingard was it Wingard about mentioned it in the Q A and R screening. We sort of said like you know that was one of the things for the casting. Yeah. It's hard to get you know Donald Pleasance isn't here anymore, so it's hard. You what you want a good. A sort of counter to to your other point without being without well, taking over either. Yeah, without them blowing them out of the water. Yeah. How often do we see like a, a weak sauce villain? Like look at um, what's his name? S and M man in Commando. Uh, <laughs> hey, John. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's so weak compared to Arnie. Or like just some of the villains you see in films are just dreadful. Yes. Not all of them can be Richard Lynch in Invasion USA. Oh yeah, see for me here the trench coat I didn't think Loomis the trench coat oh I'm I'm gonna I, thought it was I was thinking of um oh, what's his face from Rambo, you know, I made him. Oh uh Dick Dick uh, Richard uh Krenna? Yes, thank you. Yeah. That was what came to me. I think maybe it's just the military aspect, but the coats they just it made me think of Rambo it's like the well I created him, you know, I I can tell you about him. Yeah, and it didn't he say that <laughs> One of the things he told uh, Reddick was like, yeah, I'm going to give you all these cool, like, Nazi, like, finely tailored yeah. costumes you can get where you run around shooting guns and stuff. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> kind of a humorous story. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but the Mike film, like, the back end of this, um, if you've seen Lesson of the Evil, the finale of this is absolutely the finale of Lesson of the Evil um, in terms of setting and what have you. And you'll see – and I have to wonder, it's it not so much – it feels a little bit carry to me too. Oh, well, yeah. It's a – you know, what's a Halloween dance versus a prom? But I mean it's – Yeah, that, that's certainly – You know, it's it's a fun setting too, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a it's, wonderfully fun setting and, it, and it's hyper-stylized but it, it works really well. Like we see oh. the silver shamrock masks on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that right away. It was awesome. Very cool. And I even with and I couldn't help but think and again I have I'd be lying if if race didn't plan to it, but with Reddick chasing him around in the maze, I couldn't help but think of the shining. Yeah, yeah. The Scatman. Nice. I'm almost certain that's not a coincidence. You know? Yeah. I mean it's because again after we sort of keep mentioning that these action set pieces and there's a like the very big action set piece, but this brings it all back down again. It brings it away from a and actually more to that sort of horror territory. There's this mm-hmm. one person against someone else in smoke and, you know. It, it's it's perfect because it's one of those settings where, like, I know for me, and there's a lot of people that like movies set just at different times of the year. and Halloween. Yeah, as soon as that setting, like, when I realized it was taking place during Halloween, I was just, like, rock hard in my seat. Just, yeah. yes. Baz were getting tight, dear bye. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> I was like, oh, this can't get any fucking better. Like, yes. It's true. <laughs> This may sound weird. I liked that it wasn't terribly sexual in the sense of some of the Wingard related things he's done. They have been sort of the guy, the character been sort of like there's sex in it. There's, you know, don't worry, there's boobs. It's okay. <laughs> um, like girl boobs too, not just the abs. Um, yeah. But it was never, it was played like that made sense in terms of the milieu of the, the story. It's like yes. essentially bored teenage they're all teenagers right they're in high school pretty much yeah just, just think you know sort of bored and then there's this hot dude, random strange guy coming in so yeah someone's gonna have sex with him but I, well the kids were in their 20s i think oh i guess yeah sort of like not going to college but yes that kind of yeah thing. but and stevens looked the part i think him being a little yeah. bit smaller stature made him feel like a 24 25 year old versus like a 35 year old 
Yeah. yeah. He, did, he like he didn't look too old to be at that party yes. scene, for instance. He just looked old enough to be like the slightly older cool guy. Which yeah, he like, was. Yeah, which exactly what he was. Which you know? which those parts were really funny, man. Like Wes, like when he was at with the kegs. How did uh, your How did your audience uh, respond to that, Wes? That was glo- like laugh. <laughs> Everybody was laughing and rolling, and yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that stuff was really good. Um, I have. He's to got say- that smirk on too. As soon as, right when he does it too, he's got that smirk <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know right, what, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know who he looks like a little bit to me in this film is, uh, and I don't know if it's just because I, I only have eyes for Aaron, but he looks a little bit like Aaron Rodgers at times <laughs> to me <laughs> with the light eyes. I think everyone's starting to look like Aaron Rodgers to you. It's true, man. After last night, though, Aaron better pull up his uh, green and yellow socks. Um, but I got to say, there is a moment towards the back end of this film. I totally thought of Wesley because it was such a T2 nod. Oh God! Yes. Like, well, talk about okay. Talk uh, about your Zubaz getting I, tight, Wes. What did you, uh, without revealing what it is, like? How good was that moment for you? Wait, no, I'm like, refresh my memory here. Without, oh. I'll, I'll I'll just say that it's a hand gesture. Uh, uh, I'm Terminator two hand gesture. The th- oh, okay. Yes, well, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of. Oh. I'm drawing a blank. Maybe too many. Near the back and near the finale of the film. The Uh, last set piece. Okay. Yeah. No. uh, Amazing. That's just. I thought of you the second I saw it. I'm like, man. I I started making the the Terminator connection, uh, and Kelly even pointed it out to me while we were watching it. Is when um, earlier in the film when he says something along the lines of like, "Oh, I don't need much sleep," and then that was immediately when I was just like. I wish he was a robot. There, there is a, a, one quick uh, one of my favorite lines from him was uh, when they're in the bar, which we haven't even mentioned the bar fight. Oh man, God. fantastic! Oh, God. There's a line he says that I just love. I can't like I've just been saying it to myself is when they're all like, you know he's like are you rich? And he's like it's just cash. Cash is easy easy to get. Oh. Yeah. That, well, there's a there's a couple where like the the little he's he's crashing down with the, with, the, with the kid and he's giving like the nice parental type lesson you know it's like you know don't let people smack you around what's the line it's something like when someone bullies you you go to the house at night and burn the house down with their family yeah. inside yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the worst yeah. that could happen yeah yeah <laughs> I was waiting for him like you know don't let them push you around punch back and he's like go to the house at night. Burn the house down with their family inside. Like, what are they- with their families in it, yeah. Yeah, with the families in yeah. it. And you're like, oh. It's, man. Oh, okay, we're escalating this very quickly. <laughs> Wingard really knows how to set the table. And again, it's just, it's really admirable for him to be able to sprinkle. Like, listen, I like a serious film too. Don't get me wrong. But this just feels like the kind of fun film that, you know, we all have films that we grew up with that we rewatch because they're fun. Return of the Living Dead is fun, right? Mm-hmm. This is a fun film. There's humor. There's not. There's action. This is a, a Halloween party movie. Absolutely, it is. This oh, is a is. bunch of mates with some beers and some pizza. And like, guys, guys, come watch it. Come watch it. It'll be cool. It'll yeah. Be cool. Did, but, did anyone else get a vibe from from that that ending, that climax? You know, when it takes place at, at high school, um, like kind of a Miss Forty Five almost. Yeah, but all we were missing was a dude playing a French horn, but masking it as a saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. It was missing the occupant, occupants, but yes. the setting was there. I, I, that's a good call. It's funny you say that because I wanted to ask Abel Ferrara during the Pasolini Q&A about um, – what's his name, Vish? Nicholas St. John? 
Uh, or Kelly, the, uh, the guy that scores. He scored that film. I love the oh. theme for Ms. 45, man. I don't know. Yeah, top of my head, I, I don't know. I say it's know. Nicholas St. John, and he hasn't worked with him in some time, but... Uh, that that just to get back to the, the the bar scene, man. Like Wingard sets the table for that so well because he orders those dudes the uh, cosmopolitans. The cosmos, yeah. Oh yeah. man, it was like it's just your just your your um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not licking your lips. That sounds more homoerotic than I intended to. Like he's wetting your appetite for what's he's setting the table for that scene, how it's going to unfold. Yes. <laughs> You know what's going to happen. Yes. You know you what's do. going to happen from before. <laughs> yeah. being, but it's still tense and funny and then just sort of fist pumpy in the yeah. air when it happens. Like, I was I was so stoked that the whole time, like, I knew he was going to kick the shit out of these high school kids, but I just didn't care. Like, and he, he's way too old to be doing that, but it was just like, fuck yeah, bring it on. Let's go. And again, it was <laughs> the, the execution because the tone was still – it wasn't – that could have been – horribly mean and like just like oh but it, it still kept it back to like when he smiles you're like yeah yeah that's yeah. cool <laughs> just well, like, it's like when he when he gets the drink in his face you just know like oh fuck oh man motherfuckers like, are gonna pay <laughs> like here we fucking go <laughs> I, I i have to say you know uh track myself and uh, nicholas st john was the screenwriter that worked with uh, I got, for, oh. it was joe dahlia who did the, yeah, I, the I got joe dahlia yeah great theme man Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, those are all my notes. Anyone else that wants to chime in, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, let's see what we got here. I'm trying to look at my notes here. Uh, bar fight was his ultra cool moment. Uh, big guns. Some of those guns, that that that, sec, that that big gun that he brought out, when he, he realizes that this guy has this gun, and he kind of does like a face like, oh, oh shit, he's yeah. got... He's got that gun out. Fuck, yeah. I got run. Yeah. And people don't realize if you like gunplay, there's this shootout is so good. It was like yeah, like a Michael Mann kind of heavy and like oh, hard boiled or like John Woo. They mentioned in the in the Q and A that they almost ran out of bullets. They were like, "Can we do yeah. more?" He's like, "We we can't shoot anymore." It's like, "Why is that? We, we we ran out. Was like, we did over like two thousand rounds. We we have no." Yeah. You need and, to buy more bullets, and that's another yeah. reason you got to see it in the theater because that sound design for the for the guns is it's so heavy. loud. Just oh, yeah, so good. Um, system. Also, a, a couple more like uh, just feels feels I got from the movie. Like I kind of got like a almost a born vibe in a way. Like you know, sure, um, yeah, oh, yeah. People yeah. hunting this guy down and stuff like that. Also, Universal Soldier a little bit. Oh yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that. Totally. Uh, it's cool. We don't get the ass <laughs> shot though, like we do at Van Dam. Yeah, <laughs> which tricks uh, me. Yeah. yeah, I think it tricks a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's the smooth. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it. Well, there's 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 a camera shot uh, when they're in the high school, and it's it's uh, when the when the son gets into some trouble, mm-hmm. and he's in the hallway talking talking to David and. Um, the camera's panning around them in a circle as, as he's talking to him, and the kid's revealing something to him. And every time they go around his head, his face gets meaner and meaner. And then finally, it does one last pass, and then he smiles again. And it's kind of like you think something's going to happen, you think something's going to happen, and then he, he releases it. And it's just really great tension. That um that bit in the hallway for me that was the most T uh, two because the, the kids even kind of because I guess it's coming back into fashion I'm older to date myself but that sort of nineties are back now so he's got the that not quite floppy Edward Furlong hair and yeah. um 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and just like yeah. the way they're like, he's got this guy who is not his dad, but he's telling, you know, sort of guiding him terribly violently wrong. <laughs> but I had I just, I don't know, it felt very T2 for me that well, moment. He, he does have like, I, I didn't know what to call it. I guess I wrote it down as uh, he has like an idol syndrome. Like he, yeah. He well, looks, up to, he looks up to this guy to a fall. Well, cause yeah, his dad is obviously, you know, he's, he, he looks, his dad, he's like, he drinks too much. He's sort of like, He's just a, he's a you know, suburban middle class dude, and this guy comes in. And he's like, I mean, again, it's one of those things that I don't know if I was reading too much into it, just a backstory. But like, he got the impression of he, I don't know if he really loved his older brother, or he just, or he was a bit upset in the sense of his brother's dead. He doesn't know how to deal with it, and suddenly all his mum is, he's lost his parents in his way, yeah. in his own way. His dad is drinking too much. His mum, all she does is cry and talk about her that this brother who doesn't isn't there anymore. No one's paying attention to this kid. And then you've got this guy who comes in who is kind of like a father figure, but also just like super fucking cool. And I mean, you can tell him things you're not going to tell your dad. He's he's cool with it, you know. Yeah. And tells you to burn people down in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you almost just want to follow him like into yeah. it. It's crazy. Which um, I mean, kind of what me because then by the end I was kind of like. I was almost like like I'm like I'm like who am I rooting for right now? Give me a minute. Let me, let me okay okay now I know. But there's a moment where you're like he's so damn charming. Like oh maybe I kind of want to see how if he goes on top. Yeah definitely definitely. Um and I think that's pretty much it. I was just gonna the hits you know also in regards to the gunshots being so loud the hits that are in this movie are also very powerful. Uh, mm. You you just feel them. It's very somebody gets thrown into a wall and it's just holy shit. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. The sound design is really good, which a lot of times in those films it was. Yeah, it's it's heavy hitting, but uh, that's pretty much it for my notes too. Wes, what do you got? Uh, nobody really touched on it. I mean, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but I thought it was kind of cool, like the kind of background subplot with the um, the corporation and whatever they were doing to yeah. him. I really dug that, and I really yeah. liked the idea. Uh, really like the fact that they didn't like. They didn't really go too much into it, so it kind of left it up to, you know, the people to kind of come up with their own little theories about what exactly happened to him or what they were doing to him, what their experiments were. And obviously, being as stupid and ridiculous as I am, I was like, oh, yeah, he's a cyborg. Oh, you know, but whatever. Anyone else, whatever, any other, did I just spoil it? Whatever theories they have for that or no, I mean, it's it's the same. Like I, I had a, my own different theory, but it's also played in the fact of they mentioned the brothers. It's like then you start thinking, like, what what was the deal with the brother? You know, yeah, yeah. It, you know, is there an alternate story somewhere else where like like it's the the brothers are out there doing things? You know, is 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 he dead? Is he not dead? Yeah. You know, and you start, uh, but without again without dwelling on it in the film, it's just enough to sort of. Shoot around in 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 the back of my head while None I'm watching of it is them. Critical, you know. Yeah, while I'm watching them. Uh, you know. But, you know, punch your way through bars and and um <laughs> and, and and school high school uh, jocks at parties. Um, yeah. Which well, what's also cool about that the the company is uh, Adam Wingard. He's kind of created like you know he, he's he's like a lot of directors you know genre directors that kind of create their own um, little universe, universe where you know in in your next uh, that's the company that the dad works for that retired from, and then also in VHS two the when the the eyeball one that's yeah. the eyeball comes from that company as well. Oh, nice! So, so yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. I like that sort of interconnectivity. Is really neat. Yeah, yeah, that's only for like the, the guys that really read into the stuff, but it's fun. Oh, that is very cool. 
Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, very good. Um, Vish, anyone? I, you know, I think I've interrupted everyone else from all my notes. So I'm good. <laughs> Kelly? No, I'm, I'm good. I, I, yeah, good. I'm good. Stuff. All right, let's uh, let's give scores then, uh, and all that good stuff. I'll go first. Uh, make or break scene. Gosh, this is hard. There's a lot of great scenes in this film. Oh, I don't know. As as sort of whatever is this sounds, just when that like title credit came up, um, like the title card, I was just like, I'm in, man. I'm in again. Um, actually, I do have a question for all of you. Before, have all of you seen your next? Yes. 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 We watched okay. it right before we went and saw this, actually. Okay, cool. What do you guys prefer, this or your next? Trying to separate from any sort of immediacy that may be being in a theater to see this one at. Uh, I enjoyed The Guest much more, but that's, you know, not to downplay your next. I, I really like that. But The Guest, I just had a overall much better time with. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also... I, I love your next, but The Guest just hit so many buttons for me it was yeah <laughs> uh, i'm gonna cheat say i'm not sure just because i th- in my head there's such different animals the your next is much more of a horror film and this feels much more of that that 80s action and i mean granted also i've seen your next a dozen times at this point and i've only seen the guest once so my, maybe I will defer my answer for a while. Just absolutely cheating. No, that's cool. Yeah, because I'm not really sure where I stand either. I, I'm probably going with this, but I don't know how much of that is, you know, I got stars in my eyes because I just watched it or not. It's tough to say. But I think, they're yeah, they're both very good, certainly. Yeah, they're um, both I'll be curious how Jakey Poo feels with this one, considering that Stevens is doing a bit of a gosling with more of a sense. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, make or break it uh, when that, that title card comes up and it's like that, like early eighties carpenter font and it's got the theme and, and, uh, yeah, it's like, man, I'm in, I'm in MVT is also impossible. Like the score is tremendous. The performances are tremendous. The aesthetic is um, unbelievable. The pro- I guess, you know, I guess I'm going to have to go with the cast and how likable they are because the film could have been too cool for school and had a great score and looked great. But if you hate the characters kind of, it, it makes everything else kind of not pointless, certainly, but it elevates the film when you care. And we did care about these characters. So I'm going to have to say that, uh, the, the cast's, uh, likability, uh, my score is an 8.25. Um, I don't think this is a perfect film by any means, but I can't really place too, my finger on too many things that are wrong with it either. So I don't know. It's uh, very, very good. It'll definitely be on my top 30. And it's one that will be a first day own for me on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. It's going to look beautiful on blue. And I can't wait to watch it again with my wife and you guys sit around on a parties. And it's the kind of film that's accessible enough to see his films aren't esoteric. Like there's some films like, I was going to put on Borgman the other night, uh, but I had a friend over. I was like, man, this guy's not going to dig Borgman at all. So we ended up putting on Pain and Gain, and it was more accessible. This is a much better film than Pain and Gain, which I also quite like. But I feel like this is accessible to, you know, most parties. Uh, it's no, uh, like, Beyond the Black Rainbow or something. No, definitely I'm not. I'm going to show this to my mom. 
<laughs> yeah, I would. I would watch it with no, my yeah. mom or dad for sure. I'm, you know, this is. I watched. You know, I watched Die Hard with my mom. This is. This yeah. is something I could watch with my mom. Like I said, Borg, but not so much. No, which <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, mom, let's go watch Dogtooth. No, <laughs> said no, whatever. I love Dogtooth, but yeah, I couldn't watch it with my parents. I've made my dad watch Holy Mountain. That was enough for him. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, next up, uh, Vish Kelly Wes. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Wes. Wes. Okay, uh, I'm gonna my. Um, what do we do? Make a make a break first. Um, yeah, you can do make or break first. Sure. Um, I'm gonna definitely go with uh, Dan Stevens. Uh, I had no clue who he was, and never seen him before. And you know, it totally could have uh, his whole casting could have just fallen victim to like uh you know ryan gosling liked or want to be and you know trying too hard to kind of replicate that but uh it worked and um it this will kind of segue into my uh, most valuable thing which was the uh the humor um any scene which he's in any of his little smirks or visual facial twitches whatever what have you um just yeah totally worked all all across the board i didn't feel like anything kind of fell flat or hit a wall and just kind of got like a chuckle everything was really you know hilarious with him and just awesome um and i'm a bit more forgiving i'm going to give it a a 9 out of 10 i had a nice. Nice. i had a fantastic time with this movie and like i said earlier it was just the perfect combo of just everything that I kind of latch onto in film with the, the score, the look, you know, there was no, uh, the camera work was very still and steady and, and patient. totally. And, um, yeah, uh, I can't really say much else. It's total, just a great time. So, yeah. Nice. nice. Who's next? Me? Yeah, Kelly, go. All right. Uh, Make or break is being the uh, horror junkie that I am, I got to go with the climax in the school. Yeah, Mm -hmm. man. Nice. Uh, The Fulci fog on the floor. Yeah. uh, All that. It just. And the way they use the fog, they use it to hide certain things. It's just. And dad. Sorry to kick up, and also to add like a lot more tension. It's like it felt very claustrophobic at that point, and anyone could have popped out of anywhere. Well, the slasher you know, ending. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's a certain uh, you know I don't want to say too much, but there's a certain obstacle they have to go through, which adds even like it would already have been great setting it just at a like a dance, but they added something extra that was even better. So just perfect for me. Um, MVT is kind of a cheat, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, call it like the triple S because they all start with S's, so. That's how I'm going to get away with it. Okay. It's the score, the sound design, and the setting. Cool. Uh, all three of those, but probably more just the score and the sound design because that music just really so sets the good. tone. It really sets the tone because they use it perfectly. It's not just a lot of a lot of times nowadays. You know, a lot of these synth scores are coming out, and oh yeah, and everyone always says like, oh, it's got that synth score, and that's cool. But this one uses it to effect. It's not just the score. It really sets a mood. Agreed. And it's, it's totally. used perfectly. Um, and then my score, I'm right there with Wes. This thing was is a 9 out of 10. I fell in love with it. I absolutely love it. It, it hit everything I wanted in a movie, like 
to perfection. So it's it's tied right there. There's a certain other movie that came out this year with a uh, a lot of fights that's over two hours long, and it's right there. <laughs> and it's neck and neck with that right now. So very nice. And um, so I mean, uh, I was a mark for this movie from the beginning because I'm, I'm a bit of a Wingard fanboy. But um, like uh, make or break for me was the big big action set piece at the end, mostly because I think. I think I said to Will right after we saw you in Nexus, I'd love to see him do an action movie. Yeah. And we were there is he had action punctuations and action moments, and then when he gets there, it's just like, it's like, yeah, you want to see a fucking action movie? Let's do it. And ah, oh, I had, I had, I had wood. Um, yeah, for MVT, I'm going Dan Stevens because as much as like I, I really liked all the direction, I liked all the the sort of disparate parts, the sound design, the score, all of that. Stevens was the bit that made it from pretty good to really fucking great for me yeah. just his characterization the, the the humor the charm because i mean he's on camera for what 95 percent of the movie it felt like and mm-hmm. if he didn't nail that it wouldn't it would i think it would still would have been good but this is what made it great and um for my score i'm an 8.75 i really nice. like it and i have a feeling if i mean again this is going to be like a, a buy for me and i'm I have a feeling it's going to go up higher over time. But, nice. You know. Very nice. Awesome. I feel chintzy now, man. <laughs> but uh, no, I'll stick with my score. But I really love this film. It's it, And it, I think it's testament to how good the film is that we all talked about how much fun we had with it and how rewatchable it is. Mm-hmm. I, that's uh, it's a testament. But yeah, day one by. If I can just ask one last thing. I mean, yeah. he, uh, Wingard mentioned in our screening that he'd gone to South Korea and he'd yes. tried to do this action movie and there was this 50-minute car chase and it was terrible. It didn't go right. And now afterwards, it's turned out he's doing a remake of I Saw the Devil. Really? Yeah. Oh. It, it leaked. They once, that, so that got leaked somewhere and, and he sort of, he's, he's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I just wondered if you guys had feelings on that because, I mean, I, like, I know a lot of people instantly is like, oh, no, they're making a mo- doing a remake and I'm... Not an instant remake hater, but and I actually wasn't in love with Ice of the Devil. So, I was uh, not either, and I think it's a dreadful idea for Wingard. I'm actually very disappointed that he's doing so, it. I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Um, I don't even know if they're going to if it's going to go through now. It's just it's just something. That's I hope it through. doesn't. But um, I just wondered if anyone had thoughts I, on that. I I really liked I saw the Devil. Um, if anything, maybe Wingard would just be able to maybe shave. 30 minutes off of it and kind of <laughs> I might like it more than yeah. yeah get away from the Elmer Fudd uh, ridiculous <laughs> chase yeah yeah the the, the, the ending uh, of uh, I Saw the Devil you know could use some work so um, I think he could work on that you know pretty easily I yeah I, I'm really I know some people think what's the big deal the thing's a remake and uh, <laughs> uh, you know this is a remake and that's a remake and Sorcerer's a remake and okay that's fine but I just feel like we're getting into an era where remakes are made much more often I get it films have been remade since the beginning of time but the frequency with which they're remade like David Fincher is too good of a filmmaker to be making remakes from films that are less than five years old uh, what's his name uh, Jim Mickle very promising filmmaker in the same vein as as Wingard, mm-hmm. an American filmmaker that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't watch uh, his remake of um, We uh, Are What We Are. Yeah, I, I was so dreadfully disappointed when I saw that's what he was doing next. And I don't I know people said, oh well, it's it's a very American Americana spin. I don't need the Americana spin on it. Like 
I'm sorry, man. It was perfect as a Mexican film. Leave it alone. Do something of your own. I love Wingard. I really wish he'd get away from this. I saw The Devil's a flawed film. It's up until The Last Stand, which I haven't seen yet. It was... Um, uh, I think I got Ban Ki-moon's name in my head because of all this stuff going on. Uh, Kim Ji-woon's... He's become the the chocolate Easter bunny of Korean filmmakers in that he seems to be getting more hollow and sweet on the outside and there's nothing inside anymore. Just all, like, It's all about spectacle. I like that chocolate Easter bunny. That's He's funny. totally the chocolate Easter bunny. And I just... It, I really hope Wingard doesn't do this and Barrett doesn't do this because... They're good enough to get by with their own stuff, and I hate to rant at the end of the episode. I seem to have angered Will. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I just I, when I heard that bitch. I was so mad, man. If if this, uh, hopefully, I'm hoping big time that this movie takes off. And yeah, yeah. If this does, like, with I mean, the only other film, or I, I've actually seen ABC or no, VHS, VHS, VHS two. So like, they've got they've got their own aesthetic that they could just do that. So I don't know why they would need to pursue a remake, but whatever. Uh, It will have more thigh-high leggings in it. We know that. It's not a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like thigh-high leggings. Yeah. Especially with the... I don't know if any of you look at them, um, if you follow uh, Adam oh, I do. on He's Tumblr. He's got Tumblr, man. Yeah, lots of thigh highlights. Lots of bon- <laughs> I Just find it for yourself. If you're into a, a certain proclivities, Wingard will be your man. He's, he's your dude, yeah. Yeah. Kelly, you will appreciate Wingard's Tumblr. I will be checking it out as soon as we get done here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I want to thank you guys. This has been It's been a longer conversation than I anticipated, but... Um, I think this film deserves it. I think we all had so much fun with it that we wanted to stretch our legs with it. So um, thank you, uh, Wes. Thank you for um, allowing us to get you on here for the first time. Uh, Vish, you've, I'm sure you've been on here before. I don't know if I actually have. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> well, believe it's taken this long. Well, welcome. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, that, Will. Thanks for thanks for having me. I I, I know I, was, I kept kind of quiet. I'm just kind of being. I'm playing defense. So, you know, maybe, uh, yeah. I, anyways, I appreciate we'll get it. You on so, again, man. Yeah. We'll get you on again, pal. We'll, we'll do something. And Vish, thank you as always making no us sound more intelligent than we are. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly spitting knowledge as always, lots of passion. I really appreciate it, guys. I, uh, I just got off a very long work week. I was very tired, but this is going to energize me. I feel like I could, um, yeah, I feel like I could, uh, I don't know. Anything I say would sound horribly inappropriate right now. Go watch some canon movies and lift Go some watch. weights. Yes, that's right. Uh, with that, as always, there is one thing left to say. Adios. 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 All right, all right, all right. You've been listening to the Midnight Ride, baby, with Lodge William. Bringing you the glitz and the glamour with the Velvet Hammer. Films from around the world for all the boys and girls. Until next time, adios.